Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Television host Dr. Oz is reportedly considering running for a Senate seat in Pennsylvania. What? Who would ever want Dr. Oz to be their senator? The only thing crazier would be wanting Dr. Oz to be your doctor. Amen to that, brother. Yeah, I hope that's most of the country's reaction. He's running as a Republican in Pennsylvania, where he does not live. Uh, Michael, by the way, when Dr. Oz is mentioned, it's not a guideline. It's a rule. There we go. (laughs) Yes. We won't won't tell our Dr. Oz story again because we've told it so many times, but we have reasons to personally hate him. Um, You might not personally hate him, but you should hate him because he's just a charlatan. He's like Dr. Phil and a whole bunch of other people who just make money on TV talk shows talking to to idiots. And uh, and he's a bad person. And he's running as a Republican. He's donated lots of money to all kinds of different politicians and causes of different stripes. Uh, I think he's just an opportunist. But, But anyway, I hope to God. He's not going to be a celebrity senator just because people have heard his name. I hear that. That would that would be a kick to the spirit. It really would be I, a kick yeah. in the spirit for which you would need to see a doctor. The will to live would definitely decline a little bit. Yeah. Of course, you know, lying idiot charlatans. Are, you can't swing a dead constitution without hitting one of them in the Capitol. True. Please. True. True. So I did this very story a year or two ago, but I looked it up again. I came across the phrase yesterday. Our infrastructure is crumbling. It's just it, 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 we live in a world where if somebody says stuff enough times, then it's just everybody says it and everybody just assumes it's true. It's truism. Everybody knows it's that. Our bridges are crumbling. So uh, the president says it all the time and the media just repeats it as if it's just a normal thing. And when I complained on our Twitter about the trillion and a half dollar infrastructure plan passing last weekend, there was some complaint. Oh, well, you don't like bridges and roads, blah, blah, blah. Um, I was a no vote on that. I wish everybody had been a no vote. Even if we needed to fix our bridges and roads, not now. We just had the most expensive emergency in the history of our country. Right. It's like dad lost his job. Mom had a medical problem. Uh, the roof broke. We spent all our money and maxed out our credit cards. Now's not the time to say, we should repave the driveway. It's full of cracks. Mm. No, no, no. Well, and even, again, even if it were, to include all that bloat in it is just a sign you're not serious. Right. Anyway, it passed trillion and a half dollars, and hopefully this will slow people down on the next trillion or so dollars that they're planning on voting on next week. I tell you what, if Dr. Oz became king, I would be less discouraged than if that uh, Build Back Venezuelan plan passes. I mean, that'll be a disaster for the country. If you want to do your own independent research on this and you're into this sort of thing, just Google infrastructure is not crumbling and see all the articles from all the different sources you can come up with. I'm going to read to you from the Washington Post, not a right-wing publication, and Charles Lane, certainly not a right-wing journalist, who wrote this opinion piece um, back in April. No, America's infrastructure is not crumbling. How would you uh, describe Charles Lane's politics, if you're going to? I, I would say he is uh, moderately liberal. But he's certainly a, not. A smart guy, very reasonable. Certainly not a right-winger trying to come up with a reason to stop the infrastructure bill. 
Yeah, he's kind of a uh, he's like uh, he's a uh, Kirsten Cinema liberal. The task before us is to rescue a neglected, crumbling system. President Biden has said over and over again, along with all of the media, when he announced his two trillion dollar infrastructure bill back in March, which ended up being a trillion and a half dollars and passed last week. Keep in mind that all of these numbers are fanciful. Right. And will be much, much higher. The real challenge is to take what is, by any reasonable measure, the best or nearly the best infrastructure in the world and to sustain improvements that have already been occurring in recent years. We have the best or nearly the best infrastructure in the world, and we spend uh, between 400 and $500 billion every year on it. Every year, that's just part of the budget. That's the neglected infrastructure. Exactly. Biden warned that the U.S. infrastructure is ranked 13th in the world, as if that were shameful somehow to outscore 90% of the 141 economies analyzed by the World Economic Forum. But even then, of the 12 economies that have better infrastructure than us, only uh, three of them, Singapore, Hong Kong, and the United Arab Emirates are tiny coastal city states. So it's ridiculous to compare them to countries like ours. So you got to take them out of there. That already raises us up, you know, into the top 10. Among the 10 geographically largest countries, including Canada, Australia, China, and Russia, the United States places first among giant countries. First, based on the very data of this same organization. The United States is also top 10 among the most populous countries. I don't know if that's a shameful place to be. Uh, I'm not ashamed. <laughs> I'm ashamed of plenty, but not that. The impartial Congressional Research Service Service saw the cup half full in May of 2020 in their report, noting that the number and share of bridges in poor condition has actually dropped significantly over the past 20 years because of the four to five hundred billion dollars that we now spend every year on infrastructure, and that a relatively modest increase in spending between now and 2040 could solve the problem. She just increased the amount that we've been spending every year a little bit, and we'll have it all settled fine. So just tweak it and not, like, dole out half of the entire federal budget suddenly? And that's from our government's own numbers. As for the interstate highways, a 2019 study by economists from the University of Pennsylvania and Brown University confirmed that over the past generation, the condition of the interstate highway network improved consistently, according to government data, um, as we spent all that money. Uh, Charles Lane goes on to write, obviously, all such assessments incorporate subjectively subjective judgments and debatable definitions. The big picture, though, is that the gigantic U.S. infrastructure is fundamentally sound. Uh, impressively, but not surprisingly, given that the government spent between $370 billion going back to the 2010s up to nearly $500 billion last year, every single year, on the, on the, on the infrastructure of this country. Recent projects include the $8 billion modernization of New York's, New York's LaGuardia Airport, or $4.4 billion that is slated for a bridge connecting Detroit and Ontario, and uh, $2.4 billion to overhaul Central Florida's I-4. All that money already slated to be spent by past budgets. To repeat, says Charles Lane, the lefty, in the Washington Post, there's no reason for complacency about U.S. infrastructure, yet alarmist generalizations are not helping us identify the most pressing needs with the greatest potential economic benefits, which would be the best best way to not waste resources and create public disenchantment. Well, you're going to have plenty of public disenchantment as this money all goes, this trillion and a half dollars goes out the door and gets spent in all kinds of wacky ways. 
So, uh, as often How happens... How bad is our media to not tell us that? They're terrible. How bad is our media to not have that be... What? How bad are the Republicans? Who I've never seen mention this ever on any of the Sunday talk shows. Don't give me the media's bias and they don't get to talk crap. I see these Republicans on the Sunday talk shows. They never talk about this stuff. Ever. Chris Christie, when you're on that show... Or and name whatever the Republican pundit you want. They never, ever make the conservative argument. And this is not even a conservative argument. This is coming out of the Washington Post from a Democrat. I just think in either party, in both parties, like on vacation, in government, spending is a hell of a lot more popular than not spending. I think it may be as simple as that. Or they're also all big spenders in secret. They can't be that way out loud. But Chris Christie wants that giant pot of money going to his home state. All the other Republicans do. Well, I, you know, in, in, if you if you have one blind spot, it's your lack of a lust for power. So I don't think you understand how incredibly powerful that lust is. It's more than sex. It's more than money. It's more than anything for yeah. some people. As the more money that flows through them, the more power they have. As I've said before, I've read about it. I believe it exists, but I've never had the desire for power. I don't know what I would do with it if I had it. I just, I, but, but apparently it's what drives some people. Well, uh, in contrast, and, and Jack knows this about me, I have an actual Generalissimo's uniform. I don it, I step out on our balcony, I make Judy stand in the front yard, and I harangue her about the need for a revolution. So I completely get it. Boy, is she tired of that, but too. But seriously, over months, or certainly when it was really hot the last couple of weeks, and we've been debating, I'm using my finger quotes, debating infrastructure, where was this information that, hey, we're in the top ten, or of among big geographical countries, we're number one. Right. Of countries that have to span great areas, and so have many more bridges and roads, we've got the best infrastructure. Where was that information from any source? And this part is, of it, or, or where did you hear that we're spending $400 billion a year on infrastructure already? Where right. was that Number. At a minimum, right, right. And this is not self-aggrandizement, but I think it's worth pointing out. I think we're the only show that talked about how far beyond, uh, behind we are in terms of port efficiency in the United States and how that is entirely, or almost entirely, the fact that the unions won't allow uh, automation, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the more technically advanced automatic, uh, what, what am I looking for? What word am I looking for? Automation? Automated. Not automatic, automated. We don't have the automated systems that a lot of the modern ports do in Asia, for instance. Uh, but that's not a, we need to spend trillions of dollars. The ports are privately owned and operated. There's an immense profit waiting if they could get a lot of the unions out of the way. Sorry, union guys. I know you're making a good jack, but can't last forever. We need to take a break, but let me give you a little more. This is from Reason. And again, you can Google this. There are plenty of pieces out there on this topic. In reality, the number of structurally deficient bridges, never high to begin with, has been dropping over the past 30 years. Because of all the money we're spending to fix them. The overall number has fallen from 22% of our bridges were deficient in 92 to under 10% in 2016. This is an old article, so I'm sure it's lower now. According to a Reuters analysis of those bridges, only 4% of those uh, carry significant traffic that needs repairs. Of the nation's 1,200 busiest bridges, the number of those structurally deficient falls to under 2%, or fewer than 20 bridges in the entire country. So fix them with that $500 billion right. you spend every year anyway, and we'll be fine. Which was Charles Lane's point. Right. Uh, if you want to go to um, uh, runways on our airports, Heritage Foundation points out that the percentage of airport runways deemed as poor has fallen from 4% in 2004 down to 2% in 2016 when this article was written. And I'm sure it's lower than that now. So we got 1% of our runways that need some help. 
Again, use some of that $500 billion we spend every year to fix that. We didn't need that package at all, yet it passed. With very, very little pushback. Very little discussion, as you indicated. Very frustrating. You know, I don't... I don't even... Maybe we could... (laughs) I don't... That's a defeated man there, ladies uh, Well, gentlemen. that's exactly what that is. I just, I don't know that there's a constituency for this anymore, except no. those uh, gathered here, and we're all frustrated, and, and, and I guess keep yelling, folks, and hope the pendulum reaches its its outer limit and starts a swinging back. Keep saying what you believe, but got to admit, I feel like I'm on the losing team. Uh, the funniest question I've ever heard for um, uh, confirming your identification, you know, what was your mother's maiden name or whatever, <laughs> I came across the funniest one of those I've ever heard. And you can't believe how radical the radical DAs running the the uh, prosecutions in some American cities are. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Fines you can get on an airline if you're headed into holiday travel season. That's a good one, too. All on the way. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I hate airlines. Travel season is coming up. Uh, I hate flying. But um, fines for unruly passengers. I've got an interesting list here for you in a second. Before I get to that. Yes. Before I get to that, um, a buddy of mine is signing up for some government website. Maybe I'll talk more about that later because there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. But they got the security questions on there. And it's usually like, what's your mother's maiden name or the street the house you grew up on or that sort of stuff. Sure, yeah. And uh, I hate those because I often, so do I capitalize it? Will I remember that I capitalized it? Do I not capitalize it? Did I have drive as DR or DR period? Right, exactly. Yeah. Do I mean the house I grew up in or the house I was born in? What did I put? Um, but anyway, <laughs> he came across this government website had the question of, um, who was your least favorite groomsman or bridesmaid? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> wow that's Jeez, funny did i say ed or jim i hate them both but uh, i don't know <laughs> what was i thinking uh, my wife's brother deadbeat idiot <laughs> uh so um i actually think our fines on airlines should be higher so i hate airlines i hate flying but i think the fines should be higher as i'm reading through this list some of the biggest fines in the last year, as we all know, there have been more unruly passengers in the last year than like ever before. I'm guessing they put this out to let people know you can't be uh, messing about on flights. Some of these fines should be higher, though. Uh, $32,000 fine against a passenger who refused to follow instructions to fasten her seatbelt. Well, that's where it started. Thirty-two k. But that's where it started. Then oh. a woman punched and screamed at her husband and son repeatedly, threw trash at a flight attendant, took cookies from a nearby passenger. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> What are you doing? Uh, well, maybe that one. She was only punching her husband and son, so I guess that's between them. So, Boy, a real catch there. Yeah, no kidding. But how about this one? Uh, $20,000 fine against a traveler who refused to return to his seat while the fastened seatbelt sign was on, then threatened the flight attendant, then made physical contact with the flight attendant, yelled profanities in the aisle while the plane was taxiing, um, blah, blah, blah. $20,000 fine. This one, I can't believe, is only $26,000. He allegedly left his seat and attempted to enter the cockpit during the plane's final descent, then punched one of the flight attendants who needed uh, medical attention. Only a $26,000 fine for trying to get in the cockpit and punching a flight attendant? 
I wonder if there's a uh, criminal prosecution going on as well. There. There's got to be. Yeah. $24,000 fine for someone who refused to wear a face mask while boarding and then was disruptive on the flight. Lots of uh, people wanting to get a different seat and not have to sit next to this woman. Mm. Uh, $24,000 fine against somebody who elbowed and kicked a flight attendant. Man, the, the, the flight attendants are getting beaten up a lot in these. I would think you you physically assault a flight attendant. I would think you're done flying for the rest of your life. I wonder. I, the airlines do have those lists. I don't know exactly how it works or you know, what it takes to get you banned for life, but... $23,000 fine against a woman who allegedly yelled at a flight attendant when she realized her seat would not recline. <laughs> what wow. the hell? I need to relax. Wow. I need to recline. Make those seats so they don't recline, by the way. You're robbing the person behind you of space. I hate it. At this point, they certainly don't make the person sitting in them feel more comfortable. They only make the person behind them less comfortable. Yeah, I mean, it's marginally nice to lean back three inches, I guess, but it it causes more fist fights than it does relaxation. Man, they invented the the reclining seat back when the seats were like three feet apart, not not now that the seat in front of you is right in front of your nose. If you have a particularly large nose, it bumps the seat in front of you. Exactly. (laughs) Awesome. What do we got coming up? Uh, The radical, radical DAs, particularly on America's West Coast cities. And ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back Nuclear Power. Armstrong and Getty. Shipping companies are experiencing a shortage of truck drivers who haul more than 70% of domestic cargo shipments. The other 30% is hauled by moms with minivans in the Costco parking lots. Now, some trucker moms here tonight. To end the shortage, the trucking industry is working on recruiting more women and young people. Yes, we need to tell the youths trucking doesn't have to be isolating. They all talk to each other all the time. We just need to update the CB radio slang. Uh, Breaker, breaker, what's up, fam? This is your boy, Postal Malone. I'm about to high-key yeet these packages straight to your crib, no cap. That's the T. It's a vibe, squad. 10-4. Chalamet. That's a big Chalamet, my friend. I don't know, Chalamet. I do have this list of the most used slang words in America currently, and breaking it by gener- down by generation, and the most hated slang words. So maybe we'll mm. get to that later. I love stuff like that. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> there is a truck driver shortage. Of course, there's a shortage of a whole bunch of different things out there. Virtually every industry, every line of work I hear about, there's a shortage of folks. The manufacturers of America, and there are some, are desperate for people to work, or, or they'll pay for you to train. It's crazy. That frustrates me, too. There are certain people who really are great. Anyway, sorry. I got a family thing going on. Somebody really ought to have a job. If you need a job, man, go out there and become a truck driver. I'd do that today if I didn't have a job. Um, Elon Musk has sold $5 billion with the Tesla stock in the last two days. $5 billion. That is a lot. 4.5 million shares. Part of it he had to sell, and then part of it he had to sell at least to maybe cover his tax bill because... He sold $1.1 billion worth of stock, 2.2 million shares that he had gotten at a price of 
six <laughs> originally six dollars and twenty four cents a share. Holy crap! He bought it at six dollars a share and dumped it two days ago for twelve hundred dollars a share. So that's a pretty good profit right there. But he's going to have a tax bill of about twelve and a half billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so so he's got to sell a fair amount of stock to cover that. He's the world's richest man. I'm sure he'll be okay. I'm going to have my accountant sharpen his pencil good and sharp before I pay a $12 billion tax bill. Let's see what we can duct here. What's his new Twitter name? Lord Edge. Lord Edge, yes. Oh, Lord. Edge, Edge! <laughs> oh, Michael. You you wag you. You know, Joe Rogan, uh, the podcaster, who we should probably shouldn't promote because he's competing with us, but anyway. Meh. He had, uh, he had Elon Musk the other day, and he had a funny line of questioning of, look, you wanted to make the rocket look like a penis. Yes. Did you do that, like, uh, to the, um, you know, despite what is the most aerodynamic? And Elon Musk kind of hemmed and hawed, went around, and finally got around to saying, yeah, I mean, it would be more aerodynamic if it were pointier, but, I mean, I wanted it to be more rounded. So so he did give up some <laughs> what an aerod- odd bird. He did give up some aerodynamic advantage by wanting his rocket to look like a penis, which is his avatar. His rocket is now the avatar for Lord Edge, whatever the heck that all it means. It, it's probably... Oh, Lord. A, a, Edge, yeah. Edge! <laughs> <laughs> Spelled backwards, it's probably something obscene. I don't probably. know. I stand by my words of yesterday. He's the world's richest 13-year-old boy. We are going to declare ourselves historical figures, because that's apparently a thing you do now. President Xi of China has been designated a historical figure by the Communist Party, which is seen as a major boost to his power that paves the way for him to extend his rule. He is now considered an equal, according to the Communist Party, an equal of Chairman Mao. He is officially an historical figure, and everybody believes that's just the next step, like today or tomorrow or next week, is you get to stay around as long as you want since you are the equal of Chairman Mao. Yeah, I was reading about this, too, and and they've also literally rewritten history. They're in the process of doing this, that any history that does not refer to the greatness of Mao and of Xi and of the rightness of their policies is banned. There can be no discussion of it anymore. I think maybe the best news for America in the last month is that it turns out Xi is a communist. Mm -hmm. I didn't think he was. I thought he was just a dictator. I figured he just wanted to be powerful. No, he's he actually believes in communism. Communism doesn't work. So him believing communism is good news for us. Oh, he's absolutely signed up for his own destruction. But the question is, who does he drag down You know, with him? How can or, he possibly? during believe- the interim. It's so crazy that they've gotten so wealthy so fast in China. A faster rise of wealth than any history in the history of the world by far. I mean, there's no close second. Right. And he's going to abandon that because he believes communism works. Right. What? Right. Capitalism is a stage on the road to the workers' utopia. He exploited it. He thinks it's time to move on to step three or whatever it is. I wish him well. Actually, I wish him disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Boy, what an interesting story unfolding in front of us. Oh, Another note, uh, geopolitics, energy, that sort of thing, and, and we need to be independent from China to whatever extent is possible, as quickly as possible. Um, and, uh, and, and that uh, brave Enos Cantor, that NBA player, continuing to speak out about the NBA and Nike in bed with China. We'll get to that before yeah, too long. I don't know that story. That's interesting. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a super guy. Well, um, 
Uh, I wanted to throw this in. Uh, the Rolls-Royce Corporation, which you know for super luxury cars, right? But they're an engine. I maker. drove a Rolls-Royce to work today. <laughs> That's funny. I uh, the blue one. I drove the blue one today. I was in a mood for the blue one. But they're a technology company. They're an engine company, among other things. They make uh, airline engines. Um, and they also make small modular reactors, SMRs. They are going into the small nuclear reactor business. And, and, uh, and they've gotten a major investment from the British government, and they have poured hundreds of millions of dollars in themselves uh, to, to double down on nuke. Their nuclear fission reactors, smaller than the conventional ones, um, at this point, the U.K. gets about 16% of its electricity from nuclear power um, and is looking to get a great deal more. It's green energy. And a number of, uh, you know, not, not your wackadoodle green energy people, but people who are interested in fewer fossil fuels being burned, because there's absolutely a downside to it, Um are saying, look, nuclear power is efficient, it's clean, it does create some challenges, but so does all energy, and it always will. And they're also pointing out that the the uh, we're going to go with wind and solar is so stupid, it's so childlike. I mean, it's it's like beyond unicornian. It, it solar and wind power as it exists now, in the very best of circumstances could supply only a small percentage of current energy consumption, never mind future energy consumption, and never mind even coming within a million miles of peak consumption, because you've got to have enough energy on the sidelines, in the bullpen, if you will, that you can fire it up quick when demand surges. Nuclear power, on the other hand, has proved it's efficient, it's good stuff. So I, I gotta I gotta get in touch with my broker. I don't have a broker. Um and and, and throw it on a little money on uh on Rolls Royce. Gotcha. What does a used Rolls Royce cost? I tried to put the eighty seven gas in it because gas is so expensive and it's mm. uh, so it's pinging quite a bit now. Gummed up your fourteen cylinders. <laughs> exactly. My yeah. mink seats. Yes, yeah, so the cleaned U- the I, uh, mink. Yeah. Yeah. Seats are mink. I don't need the pressure. As part of a 10-point plan to dramatically reduce greenhouse gas emissions to reach target net zero by 2050, the uh, British government has said that nuclear power provides, quote, a reliable source of low-carbon electricity, and it is pursuing large-scale nuclear. Will it come to the U.S.? Most of the decline in nuclear power, most of the pressure against it, came from guitar players and actors making alarmist and emotional uh, arguments against a perfectly reasonable power source. Nuke it up, baby. So how many of you took the political quiz that I tweeted out yesterday? We should link this at the Armstrong and Getty show at armstrongandgetty.com, Hanson. You can steal it from the Twitter feed. It's a Pew thing. It's called the political typology quiz. Did you take this, Joe? I did not. I've taken similar things in the past. It's got 16 questions, and then you answer them, um, and then it tells you, a couple of things that are interesting. One, kind of where you are politically, as if you didn't know, really. But more in comparison with other people and what percentage of people are the same as you. Now, now I was ambivalent right, which is what 12% of the public is. That's funny. I came out crazed fascist. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just looking over responses from people who took it on our Twitter. You know, this is not good science, but... Uh, the uh, Im- uh, ambivalent right, ambivalent right, ambivalent right, um, ambivalent right, mm, 
committed conservative, which was 7%. Okay. Lots of ambivalent rights. Another one, another one, another one, another one. Um, but anyway, you should take this quiz. It's kind of cool. We'll have that at the website. We'll get that up later. Take it later in the day and see what you are at armstrongandgetty.com. Yeah, maybe I'll uh, take it during the commercial break. Next hour, I really want to hit a, a quick go-round of some of the radical DAs on West Coast cities. You cannot believe how far out the politics of some of these people are. And they have large constituencies. Those of you who don't live in the just crazed, wild-eyed, unicornian-slash-black-masked Antifa-type cities of America... You hear about this stuff, but you can't believe it's true. It's true, believe me. So we'll get to that, among other things. Also, one brave NBA star standing up against the Chinese communists in the face of harsh pressure from the league. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 40% of Americans said that they strongly approve of Sesame Street's Big Bird announcing on social media that he got a coronavirus vaccine. They were less comfortable, though, with hearing why Oscar needed the Hep C vaccine. (laughs) Wow. Now that's a Norm MacDonald joke. Seth Meyers always talks about how he stole Norm MacDonald's act. That is a Norm MacDonald joke right there. <laughs> um, uh, next hour, we got something good for you. Hour three of the Armstrong and Getty show. I thought it was a letdown. Producer Hanson thinks we ought to play it and let you decide. I heard bouncing around the Twitter sphere that um, uh, Kamala Harris, the vice president's over in France, supposedly mending bridges because we screwed them on the. Whole, uh, the submarine uh, deal submarine with Australia. Deal. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. she she adopted a French accent, and I thought, oh, this is going to be awesome. And I listened to it, and I was let down. But Hanson thinks it's pretty good. We'll play it for you next hour. Think if she tried to do a French accent while in France, which would be <laughs> weird anyway. But uh, we got that. Also, slang. What's the most popular slang, least popular slang? And, uh, oh, I just wanted to mention this because we were talking about China, and uh, I'm, all, I'm huge on China as just a story because I think it is the story of the world for the next maybe 1,000 years. Um, John Kerry over at the climate conference, he's the climate czar for Joe Biden, right? Uh, former senator. He was presidential candidate in 2004. Um, Secretary of State. Right, Secretary of State mm-hmm. under Obama. He, um, he so he's standing up there saying he's talking about climate, and he takes a question from an American journalist, and the journalist asks, um, "Do you have any comment on the on China and the the million people that are held in basic slavery, the Uyghurs, you know that whole story?" And he said, "I am the climate czar. I, f- I focus primarily on climate concerns with China, and we're going to hold China, but that is not my lane." And I thought that is really interesting. In that we have been told by our own FBI director that China has a whole of society, every man, woman, child, government, private business, everything, effort to take over the world. We've got somebody at basically a cabinet level position in our own government who says, I I can't comment on China having slaves because I'm talking about the climate. This is my lane. This is my lane. That's a wow. That's a real different way of looking at it than the way China's looking at it. Well, if I might translate, what he was saying was, I need to kiss the hiney 
and lick the boots of the most evil regime on Earth to get them to even uh, cooperate incrementally with our climate goals. So if you'll excuse me, I will not refrain from criticizing them in any way, including for slavery and genocide. So very, very uh, courageous. So speaking of courageous, uh, Enos Kanter was a Turkish-born NBA star. He plays for the Celtics. He's the guy who couldn't travel to Europe with his team because he was afraid the president of... uh, uh, Turkey, Erdogan, the uh, the clown goon dictator, was going to have him abducted, um, and he was probably right. But he has also spoken out against the Chinese, the very topics we're talking about, and he doesn't give a damn who likes it and who doesn't. Let's start with clip 11. NBA made me do this because every time when one of the NBA teams or one of the, or, or the commissioner came out and speak, they say, we are encouraging our players to talk about whatever they want to talk about. We are giving the freedom to our players to talk about all the injustices happening around the world, all the you know, human rights abuse around the world. So they give me this right. They told me to do this, basically. NBA give me what I have, and I don't want to break any kind of rules that you guys have put on. He said, no, you're not breaking any rules. Interesting. The Chinese government has banned Celtics games because this guy plays on the, uh, uh, on the Celtics. Um, but he's uh, plowing ahead. Clip twelve. If they were, if they were really supporting me, they would have put something out there. They would have say, you know, they would have put like some kind of statement, or they would, they would have put some kind of like, because I told Adam this too. Our team games, you know, the Boston Celtics games are banned in China, and this is unacceptable just because of I talk about the human rights violations that happened over there. People think I, I do politics. I don't do politics. Okay. I do human rights. And then finally, uh, the next one, Michael. There is so many athletes, so many actors, so many singers, and so many people who has a platform are speaking out many of the issues out there in the world. But when it comes to China, when it comes to you know China's Communist uh, Party, they're scared because they care too much about money, they care too much about business, and they care, they care too much about endorsement deals. Will there be a tipping point like there was with the Me Too movement or... Um... You know, a variety of things that are okay for a while, and then all of a sudden they aren't okay. I just wonder if we'll get there. It's going to take a a number of brave athletes and companies and actors. Or enormous uh, market pressure from, you know, the free people of the United States and the world. Well, I think it'll take first take individuals, like I was talking about, and Mm -hmm. then hopefully that's when the market pressure will come, like the Me Too movement and other things, um, where, uh, where just politically you can't be on the wrong side of the China issue. But, man, we're not close to there yet. And we're going to really see how close we're not uh, come January when the Olympics are going on. I was just going to say, yeah, let's sit down and discuss this while we're watching the grandeur of the Beijing Olympics. You got to lower your ideals of freedom if you want to suck on the warm teat of China. I'm a realist, and I realize there are hundreds of billions, trillions of dollars uh, worth of reasons companies are not going to disengage with China a second before they have to. And they may never have to. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, That's why it's such an interesting story. Meanwhile, uh, Chairman Xi has decided he's a real-life communist and doubling down, going to try to crush private enterprise that's grown them to the power that they are. They've got terrible demographic problems, you know, brewing political problems. Who knows where it goes? We will keep watching it with ye. Now, let's see. What do we have time to do? I want to go uh, through several of the radical lefty DAs uh, in America, district attorneys, and their policies on crime. And a story from Seattle. This gal 
the the headline is uh, she lost. No, the headline ought to be she almost won. She's a Marxist who wants to abolish the police and all prisons. All prisons. And she nearly won. Wow. So stay with us for that. Plus, if we have time, the 50 most fun places to live in the U.S. Jack, you like fun, don't you? I always want to know the criteria on these things. What is the number of water? Fun is the criteria. Is it the number of water slides? or what? How much fun is it? <laughs> Actually, if you want to know, and we'll, we'll talk about this next hour, but access to parks and outdoor activities, cultural attractions, restaurants, professional sports teams. Shopping venues, nightlife, concerts, popularity of each location as a destination for flights. All right. It's pretty good criteria. Fun s- criteria, if, if you will. If you say so. I enjoyed reciting them. It's Stay with us. It's Veterans Day. Um, we should talk more about that. There's, CBS has got a story out this morning about, do you remember when there was an attack on our troops back during the Trump era? Over there in the Middle East, more than 30 troops all suffering from traumatic brain injuries when an Iranian missile struck oh, nearby our troops. Remember that? Right. Yep. They, have been Iraq. De- they have been denied the Purple Heart for some reason. And CBS is doing that story today on Veterans Day. And uh, maybe we'll look into that a little more. because Yes, uh, let's. I would love to uh, weigh in on that. What's going on there? Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. If you miss an hour of the show, go to armstrongandgetty.com. Grab the podcast. Armstrong and Getty.